Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Unions and fast food companies in California strike a deal on wages. Not one, but all three car makers could be on strike this Friday. And today on the show, Labor's International Health and Safety Fund on suicide prevention and good jobs first on the one year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Welcome to the Wednesday, September 13th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Jamie Becker is going to be our first guest on the show today. She serves as Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. And Jamie is one of a series of guests we are featuring this week because it is Suicide Prevention Week. And a lot of unions are doing a lot of outreach, not just this week but all through the entire year. And I want to drive you to this website. It's lhsfna.org. That's the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. We'll talk to uh, Jamie about what LIUNA has been doing to increase awareness of both mental health and suicide prevention. And as you know by now, in the construction industry, suicide is anywhere between four and five times higher primarily because it's male-dominated. A lot of workers don't want to speak out. They get injured on the job. They take prescription drugs, sometimes illegal drugs, and before you know it, their life comes to an end. So we'll talk about all that and more and kind of run down some of the resources that are accessible to deal with mental health. And mental health is a huge issue in the country, and it got even worse during the pandemic. So Jamie will address all that. Greg LaRoy will be joining us as our second guest on the show. He heads a great organization now celebrating 25 years. Good Jobs First. Goodjobsfirst.org is their website. And a couple of weeks ago, the Inflation Reduction Act turned one. It was a year ago that it was signed into law. Good idea. Greg writes, the idea of pivoting to a world powered by clean energy where more life-saving drugs are affordable Workers share in the fruits of labor is exciting, but problem is the Inflation Reduction Act has no requirements for the companies they're subsidizing to do good by their production workers. There are no market-based wage or benefit requirements, nothing, zero, that mandates company leaders to pay workers a wage to support themselves or their families. We had a good conversation on this with Bill Samuel, Government Affairs Director of the AFL-CIO, a lot of the jobs in the Inflation Reduction Act are going to southern states, right-to-work states, where <laughs> where they're fighting the unions and the wages are low. That's a problem. That's a problem. Also, we're going to talk about corporate price fixing. What categories, what companies? Now, there's been some fines, but a problem is these companies, they fix prices, they get fined, and then they continue to do the same thing because the fines, oh, well, they're making billions of dollars, let's be honest. So are the fines the cost of doing business? I mean, that seems to be the case. I mean, injuries on the job. I mean, companies get fined for that. That's a slap on the wrist. You get 10, 15, 
$20,000. Again, you're talking billion-dollar companies. Goodjobsfirst.org. That's a website you do want to check out. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. In business since 1928. Unions and fast food companies in the state of California struck a deal this week. This is pretty significant. The deal is to set a new $20 an hour minimum wage for the state's fast food workers with a pathway to future raises. How about that? Now, here's a little background on the story. The state of California passed what they call the FAST Act. This was last year which created a council with the power to set wages and standards for the industry statewide. Well, the employers didn't like that. They responded by seeking to place a referendum on the FAST Act on the 2024 ballot, which was similar to Proposition 22, which Uber and other gig companies sponsored in California. That was three years ago in 2020. And uh, the Uber and Lyft drivers lost that one big time. There was a ton of money spend on Proposition 22. Well, as part of the bargain, the industry will now cancel its referendum effort for next year, and the unions will end their attempt to make fast food corporations liable for the labor violations of the franchisees. And on top of that, the state legislators will no longer move to revive California's Industrial Welfare Commission, which was considered an insurance policy in the event of the Fast Acts repeal. So, not a bad deal. Again, $20 an hour minimum wage with a pathway to future raises. So uh, it helps when two sides work together. It really does. Latest on the auto workers talks. Not much progress reported. Again, the strike deadline is 1159. That is tomorrow. Now, typically when the auto workers call the strike, they call the strike against one company. They call that to pattern bargaining. They would pick out, say, Ford and then strike Ford, and then if they, you know, come up with an agreement, then that deal with Ford would go to GM and Stellantis. And they've done this for decades. It was the target company approach to bargaining with the big three. All right? It's worked in the past. This time, Sean Fain said, no, we are going to strike all three. That is the strategy right now. This has never happened before. And if It does happen. It would be costly to the strike fund. It would be depleted. So given the costs and the risks of all three workforces striking entirely at once, the union could adopt a strategy of smaller targeted work stoppages that disrupt production but still keep many workers employed. So we'll see what happens. Again, the talks are proceeding. You can get updates at UAW.org. All right, quick break. When we come back, Jamie Becker on behalf of of our presenting sponsor, Labor's International, the Health and Safety Fund, as part of Suicide Prevention Week. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. 
That's LIUNA.org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be a WF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to line number one right now. Welcome our first guest today. That would be Jamie Becker. Jamie is Director of Health Promotion at the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. I want to give you the website it is lhsfna.org. Let me repeat that. A lot of good information posted there. lhsfna.org. And uh, Jamie is one of a series of guests we're featuring on the show this week because this is Suicide Prevention Week. It's important we get the message out of what a number of organizations, specifically unions, are doing for their membership. And they are doing a whole lot. If you go to that website, you can see what I'm talking about. Let's go to our live line, right? Jamie Becker, welcome to America's Workforce. Jamie, by the way, has been with the LIUNA, our presenting sponsor for over 20 years and six years as Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. So maybe you can give us a little uh, snapshot of the health and safety fund and we'll get into uh what liuna is doing and they're doing a whole lot to to help the members jamie go ahead absolutely thanks so much flash and thanks for having me um so the laborers health and safety fund of north america really and truly embraces the collaborative strategy of liuna and its signatory employers uh the fund is jointly managed by an equal number of trustees from labor and management and i think that's really key and critical to its success and at the end of the day really and truly looking to provide for both union members and union employers everything that we can around health and safety we know that construction can be dangerous work it's really hard work 
Um, and our goal at the end of the day is to have folks go home just as safe as they hopefully got to the job in the morning and allow them to be able to have a long, healthy career uh, doing what they hopefully love to do on behalf mm-hmm. of Leuna and its employers. So you've been doing this primarily for about six years, and, and that's a time period that went through the pandemic and boy the pandemic just made things worse especially when it comes to mental health uh, maybe you can explain and, and i guess it depends on where you are Layuna is a big organization i mentioned this at the top of the show i mean five hundred thousand strong and growing every day but uh, it, it there's not a one size fits all type of uh, strategy when it comes to mental health and suicide prevention. There's different parts of the country that may be a, bit, a little bit different. New, New England is different than Texas. It's different than, uh, than California. It's different than Florida. Can you speak to that, Jamie? Because Lyuna is, is very scientific when it comes to approaching this, uh, this situation. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you ask a great question, and you're making some Really good points. And, you know, it's one of the strengths of an organization like Layuna, and I think it's also can present some challenges when we're trying to address a lot of the different nuanced issues, especially like that of mental health. Uh, the Laborers Health and Safety Fund of North America has been in existence since 1988, and since its inception, the fund really and truly has been focused on the whole person, on both occupational safety and health, with health and safety, as well as health promotion. Um, as early at its inception, the fund has focused on the well-being of its members. It's worked really closely with Leunas Health and Welfare Funds. It's been focused on employee assistance programs and mental health, even starting back then. Um, I started with the fund in 2002, and one of the first jobs I had was focused on working really closely with um, our employee assistance programs, with member assistance programs. And in addition to uh, if there was a critical incident on site and unfortunately a fatality or a serious injury, that could really take a toll and have an impact on the workers who who witnessed something like that happen. So I hear you say six years, and I know there's been a lot of talk around mental health, uh, especially since the pandemic, but this is really and truly something that the Health and Safety Fund has been focused on, you know, since its inception, and it's a core part of the mission. Um, back to your question, though, about Leuna and, and really and truly how it's addressing this. So my role with Laborers Health and Safety Fund at a national level is to create awareness to create education, to help the folks out in the field at all levels, including leadership, including membership, understand just what's going on around these different issues. Um, So we're doing that in a number of different ways. And then where we're really seeing a lot of the good work happening in the rubber meeting the road is on a local level. Um, So right now, we've got a National Mental Health Addiction Committee It's made up of different representatives from each of the nine Leuna regions. And then from there, we've got a lot of efforts getting pushed out to our district councils, to our training centers, to the local unions. Um, And like you said, there could be a big difference between the New England region 
in Texas, in our Pacific Southwest or our Midwest region. And we're seeing a lot of different efforts go on based on kind of who the players are in those local areas, who the local champions are, how different members are being impacted by different things. Uh, so like you said, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's, there's a little bit of everything going on across the country and Canada based on a lot of individual characteristics and local levelers, levers that are being pulled. So, Jamie, the, the picture that you're pointing here, you create kind of a general model that need that should be followed to some degree you know you 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 have a very specific agenda in that model of what to do what not to do that goes to the specific region and they have the flexibility to make some changes to that to adapt because of that specific region is is that pretty much what i'm hearing here uh so yes and no uh we basically put out there the basic tenants and best practices, if you will, around mental health, around behavioral health, and then how each region chooses to roll that out. Really and truly, it's up to them. They've got a lot of autonomy around that. We'll give them tools. We'll develop educational materials. We'll put out the facts. We'll put out the figures. And then the way that they want to run with that and promote that is up to them. So for example, we've got some folks who are getting a lot of leverage in the training centers, working with apprentices, doing more uh, hands-on, face-to-face within training. Then we've got other groups who might be working more closely with health and welfare funds, establishing peer assistance programs. Uh, We've got one in the New England region called Lean Laborers Escaping Addiction Now. And then uh, Health and Welfare Fund in St. Louis thought that was a great idea. And they've kind of established Lean 2.0, if you will. And theirs is called Lean STL. Uh, And then within our New England region, they've recently pushed out a campaign called Hope Lives, which is centered around suicide prevention and awareness with lots of different resources that they make available on a local level. So nationally, we're having the conversation, we're putting the information out there, we're letting folks know about national resources that exist. For example, many of your listeners might be familiar with 988, the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline. However, once you get into the individual communities and you start working with the individual health and welfare funds, those resources are going to differ quite a bit. What's available in, let's say, Los Angeles, even from San Francisco, is going to look really different. So it's important that we're messaging and working off of the same basic facts and tenants, and then how that gets traction and how that's rolled out on a local level is going to look a little bit different. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the um, Hope Lives campaign, and I see you partnered with a race car driver here. Ty- is it Tyler Ankrum? Is yes, that right? Tyler Ankrum. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and um, apparently, he's the uh, driver of number 16 Lyuna. Toyota Tundra TRD Pro in the, in the NASCAR circuit. Um, that's, you know, celebrity does work when you got that connection. I know I had a conversation with the American Legion, and, you know, vets have a big uh, confrontation with suicide as well. I think there's like 20 veterans 
soldiers that served our mm. country that uh, that commit suicide. And they've, they've definitely uh, helped them out in some degree, but they got a long way to go. And I think they have a race car driver as well. So this was part of the strategy, I take it, by uh, by Layuna to make this kind of connection. And, and is it working? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. So uh, Layuna has partnered with Tyler Akram. And like you said, they they are a really proud sponsor of his. And when the sponsorship and the partnership was first developed, I'm not sure that anyone envisioned that Tyler would necessarily be championing and promoting the benefits of the importance of mental health and focusing on that. Uh, however, it's it's really clear in working with Tyler that these issues are very, very important to him, in addition to all other health and safety-related issues. Uh, we recently had a Leuna Leadership Conference in New York City in mid-August, um, and Tyler and a coworker of his had an opportunity to sit in on a workshop uh, that that I was moderating where we were able to highlight some of these local efforts that I mentioned. Uh, we were highlighting some efforts with a contractor going on in our Ohio Valley Southern States region. We highlighted efforts around one of our lean programs which I mentioned, and then uh, the Hope Lives campaign going on out of the New York State Laborers Health and Safety Trust Fund uh, was one of the programs highlighted. And Tyler was just so moved by all of the different efforts that he heard uh, that he had reached out and said he wants to get more involved. And pairing him up with the Hope Lives campaign was a really natural fit. And within the course of a couple of weeks, you know, we already had a lot, a lot planned and a lot in the hopper. We knew September was Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month and having Tyler jump on board at his suggestion, um, you know, due to his passion and commitment around these topics, just kind of iced that already amazing partnership and relationship. And uh, no pun intended, I think we've gotten a lot of mileage out of that partnership. Tyler's recorded some really great videos for us, some really great messages. Uh, the Laborers Health and Safety Fund also works really closely with the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. They've got a series of toolbox talks, and Tyler has just really um, jumped on those toolbox talks and incorporated a lot of those messages and resources in his promotional videos that he's put out for us uh, for Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So I, I know it might be a little confusing and a little hard to follow. There are lots of moving parts. And to the degree that we can try and create cohesion and show that although there are a lot of individual pieces, there's a lot of overlap. And it really and truly is everyone working together as a team to address this on behalf of the unit members, the employers, the dependents, the families, the leadership. I mean, it really and truly impacts everyone equally and across the board. So I might have gone a little bit, you know, reared into a different lane. Uh, but when you talk about Tyler, it just brings up a whole lot of what embodies everything that we're trying to do here on behalf of all of the affiliates. Hit a nerve there. Yeah, it's good when you see something come together like that. You, you really hit it out of the park. Good stuff there. Congratulations on that. Jamie Becker joining us on our live line today. She is the Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. Do check out their website, LHS 
fna.org, doing a whole lot on suicide prevention and mental illness in the United States, as well as Canada. Lyuna Strong, half million strong and growing. We'll continue with Jamie later in the show. We're going to check in with Greg Leroy of Good Jobs First. Yeah, Good Jobs, Inflation Reduction Act, good policy. But the wages could be a whole lot better in those jobs. We'll talk about that with Greg and more right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to our live line. Jamie Becker joining us on behalf of our presenting sponsor, Labors International. She serves as Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America, website lhsfna.org. In a nutshell, this uh, fund is committed both to healthier laborers and healthier employer bottom line. Saw this right on the website. It's, it's pretty simple. We know that union labor is paid better and has better benefits package than non-union labor. Fact. This adds to the operating costs who sign union contracts. However, we also know that LIUNA members are far better trained and generally more experienced than their non-union peers. And that, this fosters stronger production outcomes and enhanced reputations for signatory employers. So you got a healthy employee and you got a more productive workforce. Pretty simple there. Jamie, I want to talk about uh, the stigma of mental health and... Uh, 
how difficult it is to unravel. Okay, let me give an example here. Uh, if I am not feeling well, I'm diagnosed with, uh, with cancer. And there's a lot of people in that category. Well, you know, you want to make sure you catch that right away before it becomes stage four. And it's going to be the end of your life. Mental health doesn't fit into that category. This is something that's, that's kind of silent. People don't talk about it. Can you, can you speak to that? I think it's important that we get this message out so people are aware of what could happen here. I mean, this could be tragic. It could be suicide. Can you explain that part, Jamie? Yeah, Flash, thanks. Thanks for that really great question. Um, and we do often, you know, use the analogy when we're talking about mental health and behavioral health, that if someone did have a physical ailment, they would receive a lot of sympathy, a lot of empathy, and everyone would encourage them to go get treatment and do absolutely everything that they could to help themselves get better. Um and mental health, we're talking a lot about suicide. We talk a lot about overdoses, and those are all incredibly important issues. Um, unfortunately, in the construction industry, over 5,000 people die by suicide each year. The industry also has one of the highest rates of overdose deaths. So it is really important that we're talking about these things. However, you also bring up a great point that mental health is on a continuum. There is a lot between mentally well, mentally healthy, if you will, and then feeling like suicide might be the only option or the last option to end the amount of pain that someone is feeling, that someone is experiencing, that someone truly legitimately believes they might be causing other people. Um, you know, same with substance use disorder. No one starts off saying, I want to be addicted to drugs. Um, you know, I, I, I want to lose my job. I want to piss off my family and all of my friends. And I want to be homeless. Trust you me. No one, no one has that mindset uh, when, 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 you know, when they might use drugs. Uh, so there's a big continuum here. And while certainly uh, we're wanting to prevent suicide, I know it's Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, we're wanting to prevent overdoses. We're also wanting to create awareness and education and really help people understand that mental health is a continuum and that there's a lot of signs and symptoms and things that can be recognized early on. There's a lot of help. There are a lot of resources. And there are a lot of different reasons why people struggle with their mental health. It could be stress outside of work. It could be stress at work. It could be both. It could be dealing with really stressful relationship issues. It could be the basic stress of everyday life, parenting, work-life balance, Um Financial stress is a really big one. Dealing with a health issue, either your own or someone else's. Um, genetics, there's very much a biological component to mental health for some people. There are so many reasons why each one of us could at some point potentially be faced with a mental health issue, either our own or someone we care about. And they're real. And they, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, I think one of your speakers yesterday also mentioned different experiences that we all have 
during the course of our life, adverse childhood experiences. We all are who we are because of the lives that we've lived, the experiences that we've had as kids, as young adults, mm-hmm. as grown-ups. Um, and so all of this factors in to why our mental health is so important, how some of us might have mental health that's a, that's a bit healthier, less healthier, But the good news is, and I'm very much operating from a point of strength and a position of strength, is that there's there's hope. There are things that can be done to help people feel better, get better, just as in your example with physical illness. And there are a ton, a ton of resources and ways that people can get that help and lots of different people who want to help. Well, let's spend some time briefly here on the resources. There are many out there, and uh, there's there's good ones. There's ones, well, there may not be that great, but uh, can you can you just run down what's available? We got a pretty broad audience here. We're heard yeah. all around America. We're heard in various countries here. This issue goes beyond our borders here. So what's out there, Jamie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, first, I'm, I, I hopefully this isn't a shameless plug, right? But I'm here on behalf of the Laborers Health and Safety Fund of North America. I am super proud and honored to work on behalf of an organization that really takes mental health of members, their families, and the employers really seriously. So we've worked really hard to put together a number of different resources through the Health and Safety Fund. You've given the website address. We've got lots of social media channels and outlets as well. If folks were to go onto our website, we've got a suicide prevention resource page. On that page, we've got newsletter articles. We've got publications. We've got YouTube videos. We've got posters. And I would also encourage when people are on that page that they would sign up to receive newsletters. They would sign up to be able to order publications. Um, As I mentioned also, the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention has a number of resources as well. They've got toolbox talks. They've got some really great employer-specific resources where an employer can kind of do an assessment of what they've got going on in their organization, what currently exists, where do they want to be, what else do they still need to be doing. Um, And then as we mentioned, there is the 988 National Suicide Hotline. There are also resources through SAMHSA. There's a disaster distress line. There is a recovery support line. I would also encourage that folks would check with their individual health and welfare funds to find out what resources might be available there. A member assistance program, an employee assistance program, as I heard you mention, uh, especially unionized labor has really good, strong health care. Most of the time, there's going to be benefits for mental health, Mm -hmm. uh, for substance use disorders, so I would encourage that. I would also really and truly encourage that if someone is in a position to work with others, be it a steward, a foreman, the owner of a company, a district council business manager, um, really and truly any one of us, should have some of these resources that apply to our workforce and our coworkers at our fingertips. Do the homework beforehand 
so that when we are talking about these issues, if someone were to come forward and say, I need help, we don't have to then scramble to figure out where they get that help. Mm -hmm. Because usually if someone's going to ask for it, they want it right then and there in that moment. And as well, they should be able to get it. The other thing I want to address, you mentioned something about stigma, and stigma, unfortunately, is alive and well. And because of that, a lot of people might not reach out for help and directly ask for it. So if there are ways that those resources can be promoted, can be shared, and can be made available to people so that they don't have to come out and ask for the help, but rather if they recognize that they might need some assistance or someone in their family needs assistance, they know where to go to get it. Dealing with the healthcare system, as we all know, can be really challenging and really stressful. We want to do everything that we can to help make getting help as easy as possible. And I believe that's something that we can all do. Um, and all play a role in helping to make that as easy as possible. Um, shame and stigma really and truly is one of the main reasons why people don't come forward and get the help. Um, there's also a fear of judgment by peers. There's a fear of negative job consequences. And the fourth reason why people don't get help is because they don't know how to access care or where to go for it. Um, and again, I like to operate from a place of strength while those four items might sound overwhelming collectively, we can actually control them and be in a position to make a difference. People don't have to feel shame and stigma. People don't have to fear judged, fear of judgment by our peers. And people don't have to fear negative job consequences. We are all in a position to control that, to influence that, and to very greatly impact how our interactions are with others around these topics while we're talking about them, while we're making it okay to talk about them, and while we're really and truly trying to bake mental health and behavioral health into the health and safety conversation, and not just this month and not just this week, but forever. Mental health is a 12-month-a-year issue, just as fall protection and just as any other accident and injury prevention program would be. Well said. I could see why you're in the position that you are, Jamie Becker. <laughs> Jamie Becker, Director of Health Promotion for the Labor's Health and Safety Fund of North America. Do check out their website. Lots of good information posted there. Start right there. LHSFNA.org. One more time. LHSFNA.org. Jamie, thank you, thank you so much for all the information you laid out for our listeners today. I know you're very passionate on this issue. Let's keep in touch, okay? Absolutely, my pleasure. And just a big shout out to all of the other helpers out in the field. I'm not doing this by myself. No one of us can do this by ourselves. It takes an entire army, and it takes all of us. And Leuna has a fantastic army behind it addressing all of these issues. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Greg Leroy is the executive director of Good Jobs First. We'll talk about good jobs and the fact that legislation coming out of Washington is not providing those good jobs. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. 
It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Org. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to uh, the nation's capital right now. Joining us from Washington is Greg Leroy. Greg started an organization called Good Jobs First 25 years ago in 1998. And I'll tell you, you get an opportunity, do check out their website because a lot of this is following your money as a taxpayer. Yeah, that's right. Lots of money millions of dollars going to corporations and sometimes they're well more than sometimes they're not being worker friendly greg Leroy, welcome back to america's workforce how are we doing today brother just fine flash great to be with you good and we're going to talk more about the 25th anniversary here in a little bit but i want to talk about the inflation reduction act which recently turned one year old mm-hmm. and uh, you know what bothers me about this is when they did the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Act, and that was a bipartisan. I guess this one didn't have any Republican support, and Republicans are trying to unwind it. But uh, in that one, they built in, like, prevailing wage, Buy America proposals. I mean, it's not perfect, but at right. least it was written into the law. What happened on this one here? It doesn't seem like uh, very much was clarified when it comes to uh, – Worker benefits, worker wages. I know a lot of these jobs went into right-to-work states where companies obviously get cheaper labor. Can you explain what's going on here, especially with these incentives? They're getting a whole lot of money, aren't they? Oh, they're getting a ton of money. The battery makers, under 45X provision of the Inflation Reduction Act, some of these factories will be getting a billion dollars per factory per year during the life of that act. Um, Enough money, we said, to pay for the entire factory, all the capital investment in building the factory, and the wage bill will be getting picked up by Uncle Sam. And yet, as you said, the 
the bill speaks to, and, and the CHIPS Act, the same, same problem here, the CHIPS and Science Act that's going to go for all these semiconductor factories, they speak usually to the uh, building trades phase of it, the, they, you know, encouraging project labor agreements, prevailing wages, you know, akin to Davis-Bacon. But on the production side, the permanent production jobs, there's silence. You know, there's good guidelines that have been issued by the Department of Labor, but those don't tell commerce what to do or energy what to do, the Departments of Energy or, or Commerce. So uh, that's why we started agitating, and the UAW, obviously, with the campaign at Ultium, is agitating now to say, wait a minute, you know, you can't pay us below market wages and, and get the whole thing paid for by Uncle Sam at the same time. Uh, and we support that position, absolutely. Yeah, I see some of these wages, I, I think, at Ultium, and they apparently worked out a, a, a contract there. It's not what they wanted. I think they're getting a 25% wage boost but they were starting their jobs at like what sixteen dollars an hour and these yeah. are these are people working in a production company here making these batteries for these very expensive electric vehicles uh yeah. I, I don't understand how this happened but i guess there's some history on this you were telling me before we started the show that uh, this happened during the obama administration as well yeah people should be rem- remember you know a lot of the first real big federal money for so-called green jobs came in the Obama stimulus. Part of that stimulus, was a, which was actually much less than the Inflation Reduction Act in cost. But um, we made the same criticism at that point. Um, there was no safeguards for the permanent production job quality. Luckily, we noticed that about, we actually looked at 20 factories at that point already making solar panels or making uh, wind turbines, and 80% of them had some state money that required them to pay a certain wage. Sometimes the wages were pretty good. Sometimes they weren't as good as we'd like to see them, but at least they were covered by state rules. So this, the idea of attaching wage rules to incentives is not alien, right? Most states do it, it's, but Uncle Sam is still behind the curve on this. It's hard to understand how it could be true. So can anything be done about this? I know this is signed, sealed legislation here, but I understand that some people in Congress are not too happy about it. Can can, can anything be changed at this juncture? Right. So there is a caucus, a new small caucus called the Climate and Jobs Task Force. Like it's got about 15 members already. Uh, Congresswoman uh, Nikki Budzinski from Illinois uh, is one of the co-chairs, and they are certainly concerned about this, and they've written letters uh, to the three cabinet agencies I just mentioned uh, raising these issues, as well as the right-to-work business. Y- yes. I mean, right now, central labor councils in states where these factories are locating could be making sure that the state money getting into these factories, because there's always state money, too, and local money, mm-hmm. that that has strings attached to it. Uh, and again, not an alien concept, very common standard, been around for decades in many states. Um, and those could be set at market rates, which in the case of, you know, Lordstown would have been way, way much higher than the company got started. You know, this is also a, a, a measure of um, the the rightward drift of the big three, right? Because don't forget, back in the 80s and 90s, when the big three partnered with Japanese automakers to assemble cars in places like Fremont, California, and Flat Rock, Michigan, and Diamond Star, the plant in Normal, Illinois, those all had 50% American equity or, or owner, cross-ownership in the case of Mazda. They all recognized the UAW. It wasn't, it wasn't controversial. Here, here's mm-hmm. Ultium, half-owned by General Motors, and they're taking them to a vote. Uh, that's, that's a sad comment on the rightward drift of the big three. Yeah. You know, I mentioned a lot of the jobs are going to uh, southern states, right-to-work states, people that didn't vote for uh, the Biden the Biden team here. 
Uh, and and if you take a look at some of these states, they, they didn't even raise their minimum wages. There's still some states. That's right. That are at seven twenty five an hour, which hasn't changed, I want to say, since like 2008, 2009. So basically what we're doing, and, and do we have a, a, a an amount here, what, how much money we're talking about? This is taxpayer money that is basically subsidizing a company that's paying poverty wages. Isn't that, isn't that pretty much what we're talking about here? Yes, at the, at the Ultium level, that's, that would put you very close to that level for a small family. That's right. Um, so the two, that one provision of IRA for the batteries is now estimated it could be costing uh, taxpayers more than $200 billion uh, over its 10-year uh, life. And that's a whole lot of money. That's, that's a quarter of the Obama stimulus that had, you know, <laughs> hundreds of provisions in it. This is one single provision of the IRA. So uh, it's real money. And the Chips and Science Act, bigger than that, about $250 uh, billion, including uh, $39 billion that's going to go to direct aid to uh, construction of microchip fabrication facilities. You know, this is a very strange time in our economy, uh, Flash, because we've got low unemployment, um, and yet the, we've got five federal spigots flowing, <laughs> stimulating the economy. You'd think we had a Great Depression right now, the way Uncle Sam is behaving, and yet we're not making sure they're paying off in good jobs. Not good. Not good at all. All right, let's switch gears here a little bit. I saw your post about uh, illegal corporate price-fixing conspiracies. <laughs> this is yeah. really scary stuff here. Again, we're talking lots of money. So basically, what in a nutshell here, you got giant companies, I mean, some of them Fortune 500 companies, that are you know caught doing illegal things and being fined for it. Can you give us some details what's going on here, Greg? Sure. So the issue is price fixing. And, you know, we have this big database called Violation Tracker on our website, and we're always adding more kinds of cases to it. In this case, we added about 2,000 cases, legal settlements or judgments or fines imposed on companies for price fixing, uh, you know, illegal uh, cooperation among companies to rig uh, prices and, and cause prices to go up ultimately for consumers. The big violators are the banks and uh, investment firms. They, they historically have been the most penalized company kinds of companies in, in our economy for a long time. But it's also pharmaceuticals, especially for bid rigging uh, and suppressing um, generic drugs that would lower the cost for drugs uh, for consumers, for patients, mm -hmm. uh, chemicals, auto parts, healthcare services, freight services. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And there's two solutions, we think. You know, one obviously is, and everybody knows this, the penalties are too small. Um, they, they don't really deter companies. That Companies just bake this in as a cost of doing business if they get caught and if they don't win the case on appeal and if, if, if. Um, the other problem, which is why it's so important right now what the Federal Trade Commission is doing under uh, Chairwoman uh, Lena Khan, is actually breaking up monopolies or and preventing more companies from merging because at the end of the day when you've got so many industries that are so highly concentrated so monopolized um that's that really is the the core problem here so we we would all benefit from uh, better antitrust enforcement a modernized antitrust law that you know catches up with the internet and everything you know, you mentioned that the penalties are small, but when I look at this, they're actually pretty good. They're pretty big, but maybe it's they're not big enough. I'm, I'm looking. There's 19 companies, 19 companies or their subsidiaries 
paid a billion dollars or more each in price-fixing penalties. At the top of the list, Visa, yep. $6.2 billion. Deutsche Bank, $3.8 billion. Barclays, $3.2 billion. Citigroup, $2.7 billion. Then there's MasterCard, $3.2 billion. So even <laughs> with Visa... Yep. Six billion is not enough. That that's not enough. I mean, what should it be? Should it be twelve billion? I don't know. <laughs> um, yes. It, well, look, and don't forget this. This study covers a twenty-three year period, so that's it's not okay. six point two okay. billion a year. It's accumulation of several cases that add up to that. Um, yeah, I mean, don't forget that's a rounding error in terms of their annual profits over that period of time, and and, and therefore really doesn't uh, deter them. They just bake it in. Um, we've been saying that ever since we created Violation Tracker. Yeah. And pointed that out. Well, with the credit card companies, you know this, Greg. Uh, <laughs> with with late fees and interest at over 20%, oh. well, they'll make it up in a heartbeat. No doubt about that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So when you announce these things, and you do such a great job at Good Jobs First, I mean, does it make a dent in this? Does it get picked up? Do they do they try to behave themselves at least for, for a little bit of time? You know, I think we're seeing progress on some fronts. I mean, certainly, you know, another kind of data that we collect is wage theft. We've been adding that for years now. And there's a lot more enforcement by some state's attorneys general in the wage theft space. In fact, there was a big study recently issued by a group that added up all the wage theft in New York State. And it was a very big number. I think it was one, I'm not going to get the number right, but people should just Google that uh, New York State wage theft study that came out. The, the um, and you know, states have laws on the books, but many of them just don't have the staff that are devoted to, to enforce these wage theft laws. And now we, more of them are doing it. And partly mm-hmm. because they can see that there are recidivists. You can effectively target, you know, the fast food chains and the, and the low wage service sector places where the <clears throat> wage theft is most common, but also sometimes in information technology, even in banking. So um, <clears throat> on that front, we're absolutely making progress mm-hmm. on the, on the Inflation Reduction Act and chips, you know, stay tuned. I guess at the risk of sounding coy, there's a lot of conversations going on right now about both what we're saying about this and what the UAW has been saying. They put out their own case study, as you said, about the Ultium scandal, and um, we've got more in the tubes, too. All right, we'll leave it on that note. Look forward to hearing from Greg Leroy, who heads Good Jobs First, goodjobsfirst.org. You take care. Stay in touch, okay, brother? Will do, Frosh. Bye-bye. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow on the show, the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention and the latest from the United Auto Workers. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.